Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Figuring It Out podcast. Hello and welcome. It is good to be back in Baltimore. Yep, we are back from Seattle um, and we are going to our normal schedule of an episode a week. So look out for that. We have a very fun one today. We have an interview with Lane Harlan. Yes, we sat down with Lane actually in Fadensonen, one of her restaurants. Um, if you're from Baltimore, you've probably heard of Clavel, W.C. Harlan, lots of really special places that not only have great food, but just um, wonderful ambiance and uh, really give a really great experience to all who go there. Yeah, it was a, it was a really fun conversation. We talked a lot about our business and our travels uh, her creative inspirations, and yeah, it was fun. It was a good talk, and we're excited for you to listen. Yeah, I think anybody, whether you're a foodie or not, will get a lot out of this. So, um, yes, I think you're going to love this. But before we continue, we've got to do the quote of the day. Yes, this one comes for, to us from Dale Carnegie. The man who goes farthest is generally the one who is willing to do and dare. The sure thing boat never gets far from shore. Mm, good one. Just goes to show you don't have to be special <laughs> to follow your dreams. You just have to have a vision and go for it. That's right. Go out. Go out and do what you want to do. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, let's get right into today's episode. We hope you love it. Let us know what you think and enjoy. All right. Here is Lane. So we'd like to start out with if you were to introduce yourself like at a party or someone that's like, what do you do? What is your definition? Like, how would you answer that question? I would say, hey, my name is Lane. I, um, I have a few bars and a restaurant in Baltimore, Maryland. And um, yeah, that keeps me pretty busy and I probably go into what they are. Mm-hmm. Um, I always feel sort of awkward being like, I own bars and a restaurant. It's kind of yeah. like, what does that mean? Like, do you, are you like a bartender? Are you a chef? <laughs> like people often think I'm a chef, you know? Right. Um, but I think if I were to say some sort of a title or dive into what I'm really passionate about, it would be um, creative director mm-hmm. and, and um, sort of design and more like front of house. Right. Um, management and um, stuff like that yeah. but I'm I'm definitely more in the creative side I like to um, design the spaces and change things often and um, not just the physical spaces but also the menus and mm-hmm. um, work on a lot of the educational development of the front of house through workshops and obviously traveling uh, we do a lot of sort of traveling to the source right so right. with Clavel like the staff they we bring them to Oaxaca every year and oh, nice. uh, the bar team we generally will go to other states within the year um, recently uh, our bar manager was sent to Durango and um, we also were in Guadalajara um, like a year ago Michoacan so we sort of go to different places to visit producers um, and we were just talking about Japan uh, we just celebrated our seven years at W.C. Harlan, which is my first bar, and we brought um, Pam and Colin, who have worked with us for seven years. So they were with us nice. for the week as sort of oh, like cool. a celebratory seven-year yeah. mark. Colin's bar back there for seven years, and Pam started as a bartender, but she's now the bar manager. Nice. Oh, so that's awesome. Yeah. It, was, it was really neat. I went to W.C. Harlan, um, oh man, probably maybe like a year after it opened. Maybe I was barely legal. Like, <laughs> I I drank Hopefully we carded I was, I was with my parents. I can right. say that. Um, but yeah, I think I was probably probably just turned 21. Um, and it was such a cool experience because um, no sign on the door, right? Mm-hmm. So speakeasy. And we walked in and I kind of felt like I walked into like a different little world. Mm, yeah. I, I mean, like the design, I can totally tell with all, all of your spaces that it's not just the food and drink it's like everything kind of comes together to form this experience i'm really happy that you felt that way i think with wc harlan like all we ever wanted to do was 
to sort of make a place that people would go inside and feel like they weren't in Baltimore. Mm. And um, funny, like the the design of WC Harlan was sort of by necessity because at the time, um, my husband and I were living in a really small one bedroom studio apartment in Mount Vernon and I was working part-time for an auction house. So I was being paid in antiques, essentially. So our <laughs> tiny apartment was just filled with like oil paintings and lamps and old gilded mirrors. And so when we were decorating, not decorating, but we were actually demoing and building out WC Harlan, we ended up taking everything off the walls in our apartment. We just stuck it on the walls at WC Harlan. And so a lot of the things were just like sort of from how we were living. And we never wanted to open it as a speakeasy. It was just that we had such a hard time getting all the licensing back because the, the bar had been... Uh, foreclosed on it was sitting I mean it's been a bar since the 30s so it's had so many owners but Mm -hmm. it had been just sitting there empty for so long all the licensing went away and the neighbors were really like hoping it would never be a bar again because the last bar owner was such a bad Mm -hmm. bar owner and and it was just um, it was kind of a mess of a dive bar and so it was really difficult for me to get the trust of the neighbors to open the bar so I told them like we're not going to have a sign. We're not, <laughs> we're not going to use the front door because that faces the other row homes on the street. We're going to use the side door, right. which faces a commercial warehouse. So there are all these reasons that we did that that weren't to create a speakeasy. It was just sort of like, this is how we're going to do yeah. it. And, you know, and we'll be respectful to the neighbors. And we'll, no matter what, like, we don't need a sign because if, if people come and, and have this beautiful experience we're providing, we know they'll come again. So. Right. Awesome. All the, <laughs> that goes into it. Too. Yeah. Yep. All yeah. the all the pieces just kind of fell into place. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's how the best things happen. <laughs> For sure. Everything. I read somewhere that you went door to door, talking to people and yeah. asking them um, to, I guess, help renew the license or. Yeah, I had to. They had to sign a petition yeah. for me because. Um, it lost its commercial zoning as well as its liquor license, mm-hmm. and so it's basically like. Me, uh, I, at the time, I think I was 25 years old. I was trying to convince this loan shark to sell the building to me. But, oh, I don't have a bank to back me. I don't have money. My family is not wealthy. Like, I have bad credit because I had never paid my student loans. And so it was a situation where it was like, would you sell it to us but give us interest-only payments for three years? At the end of the three years, we'll give you a balloon payment. And so there was all this wheeling and dealing that had to happen, you know, and I couldn't get an investor at the time because once again, 25 years old, like Matthew who is my partner is a musician, you know, he's not even in the industry at Uh all. And so, um, not to say that he's not a part of the businesses because he very much is, but, but yeah, he's a musician and I was just sort of like waiting tables and didn't graduate. I dropped out of college and I wanted to open a bar that didn't have a menu and you know, didn't have a sign and didn't want to have vodka cocktails. So it's just, none of it was yeah. going to get me any investor money. Yeah, it wasn't know? mainstream. So it wasn't mainstream. That pop culture. Exactly. Like, it was something we had to completely do ourselves and just be very resourceful and clever about mm-hmm. how to um, sort of wheel and deal with a yeah. little shark basically oh, but it's, we we ended up paying him off on the third year so nice. that's our building and nice it yeah. sounds like there were a lot of figuring it out moments which is like figuring it out is the name yeah. of the podcast <laughs> uh-huh. we're all about um really just kind of pursuing what's meaningful mm-hmm. and it's not always glamorous no <laughs> certainly not yeah but uh the figuring it out moments are like that that point in time when it all starts to actually come together Mm-hmm. Um, so do you have any that stick out in your mind as like that was definitely a figuring it out moment in getting this this whole journey started I mean I think I think that WC Harlan was a really big it was it was huge in the future of what everything sort of was to come after because we we taught ourselves through just continually continually trying to jump over all these hurdles. We taught ourselves that like if we wanted to do something, we can make it happen. We just had to keep going and like I know it sounds really cheesy, but the hurdles that were coming at us were just I mean, it was like no money and then it was like 
the, this like loan shark situation, no licensing. And then he's sort of saying, oh, but if you get the licenses back, then it's going to be fine. We like signed the contract with him before we even knew the licenses were live. Like we took so many risks mm-hmm. and even the liquor board, they, after they sort of like applauded us and they were like, we don't know how you did it because <laughs> people don't normally, if you have a, a dead liquor license, it's dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They just don't create new ones like that. Like, it's an old tavern license. They don't make them anymore. They make restaurant licenses, but they don't make these. And so for us to be able to convince the multiple neighborhood organizations, by the way, Remington, which is the neighborhood where we are, had two neighborhood associations because they were feuding. So one neighborhood association wanted to promote <laughs> business and, and growth, and the other one wanted to promote residents first like no businesses go away businesses let's keep this like residents only and so it was just like having to deal with those two groups that were feuding and then them sort of turning us into like you know oh this is a battle for our neighborhood groups now we want her to open the bar and then the other person being like they cannot open a bar we're going to make a point out of it so it was like there was so much there was so much happening and it's just like it was just, but we wanted it so bad. Yeah. And we knew that Baltimore really needed, it needed a place that didn't have TVs. It needed a place that, it just needed something different. Like we just, it just needed something different. And we so badly wanted to live here and we wanted a bar. We wanted to make a bar we wanted to go to, you know, right. like we wanted, and I didn't know what the hell I was doing because it's like, I, I spent two years in France, quote, studying abroad, you know, but I was really just, sitting in cafes, you know, all Mm -hmm. day. And like I said, like Matthew is a professional musician and he will, I'm sure, be a professional musician for his entire life. So it was like we needed to survive, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, So we definitely need to do this. But that was like the big figuring it out. And then after sort of this DIY idea, oh, we can get a bunch of friends together. We can cobble together um, just sort of friends and, and... we can thrift things we can we can make things work on our own that continued through the opening of clavel our mm-hmm. restaurant and through to fun sonnen yeah. our wine bar yeah. um you know that that ethos traveled through yeah and just you know two years after we opened wc we were already working on clavel so i mean all everything has just we, snowballing yeah it started in 2012 looking and then we opened harlan january 2013 clavel opened june 2015 and then Fadensan and Open just last year. Wow, that's crazy <laughs> to think about. Yeah. But um, but building momentum. Building a lot of momentum, and we have no investors to this day. Yeah. We did everything ourselves. Oh, that's awesome. So yeah. yeah, I'm really proud of that. I'm really proud that we <clears throat> we really just we stayed true to our vision. Right. And we didn't let anyone Your uh, like compromise the vision. Yeah. I feel like sometimes that is when you kind of put the fire underneath yourself, it kind of gives you more motivation because sometimes when you feel like you have a safety net, you're like, oh, if something happens, I am okay. But it's like when you're like, I'm in this for myself with no one behind me, it's like you have to do it. There's no, there's no like ifs or ends about, you know, buts about it. You just like have to do it. Yeah. You have to make it good. Yeah. And, and it's like, there's, there's no... You know, for us, like even opening Fodden's on in, right? It, it took us, it took us a really long time to build the place mm-hmm. because we built it. Unlike Clavel and WC, that were already businesses, Fodden's on in was not. Mm-hmm. Like this room was the room we're sitting in now, um, which is sort of a a big one room, top floor of a carriage house. It had six walls. It 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 was an office building basically. The downstairs where the tap room is. Uh, was filled with a bunch of bikes. It was bike storage. None like now the downstairs has a full bar and a walk-in uh-huh. and five bathrooms. And we had to do all, you know like the the courtyard was a mud pit, <laughs> and now it's you know got cement and it's yeah. landscaped and the pavilion and everything. But if you can imagine when we first like ooh, when we first saw this place, yeah. um, it there were just it, it was overwhelming. You know, it took us a really long time, but we just did it step by step and kept pushing. Yeah. By the time we opened, you know, we were just we were negative money, and we we didn't want to open a beer garden in the winter, but we, it took us that long and we had to. So we had a hard winter. Yeah, it's like we opened in mid-November and it was a really slow winter for us. 
thankfully the wine bar sustained us, but but we just had to do it, you know, and then we sort of started fixing things as we could. Like that pavilion didn't have that, those, those um, canvas sides and the plastic that yeah. you could see through. Like we basically just ordered army tent material and we hung it ourselves for the first winter and we, we didn't have all the heaters that we had because right. the electrical couldn't handle. Yeah. <laughs> so it was just like a, a situation where just as we made money we had to put it right back yeah. in and it, it's kind of a thing you just continually do yeah um, it's awesome to um, just hear all the backstory behind it because it's easy to see um, the end product and just kind of <clears throat> think maybe it was easy for that person I know it's it's never really that way but it's often yeah. what a lot of people first think to and I'm noticing um, with myself and my journey like there's always uncertainty um so like do you have any tips of like how do you deal with uncertainty when you're creating a new project so i don't i don't know if i'm i just don't feel a lot of uncertainty when i know i want to do something so right. i don't know if that's helpful at all but no. but truthfully when every concept that we we've had in mind it's sort of like buried itself like deep within us to the point where it's like inside of us and it has mm -hmm. to come out and like i really it truly like feels like it's like inside of you and like it's not leaving yeah um and and i don't i i kind of it scares me a little because it's like i can't be the person that has 10 bars i i, I will never do that because i, I everything needs tending to it's a lot of work there ne it needs to be quality the people have to be well cared for that work with you so mm -hmm. it's like I can never be that person but what happens when I get these like feelings of like I want to design this I want to do this so I'm sort of toying now with the idea of doing design for other people sort of commercial projects right. or you know little things here and there um, because I just feel like I have it's like in you yeah. just there's so much yeah. That, but but I don't want to be running. Put all, all I, can't, I can't run yeah. all these places. That the quality won't be. Yeah. You know the quality has to be. Just basically. To you have to be you have to impress yourself with your standard, mm -hmm. right? So whatever that is for the individual, I feel like it's important to be like, oh wow, and to like continuously be inspired by the things that you've created. Um, because they are living things and they are they are out, actually outside of you right yeah. because all the people that you work with they they give to it they become a part of it and and the general public becomes a part of it and um, as different producers that you work with things that are on your menu change like it's all something that is sort of this like it feels like a living energy mm -hmm. and um, and so yeah you have to continuously feed that and I, yeah, I can't have 10 of those. <laughs> but so, so I think with creativity and everything, it's, it's like, I'll, yes, I'll continually give to my businesses, but at some point um, it might be nice to start helping other people with their visions right. and, and, and so on and so forth. But I don't, I've never felt uncertain about yeah. any of these places. That's awesome. Sounds like you're so. a strong vibe. Yeah, 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 I guess so. And uh, maybe I'm really stubborn and, <laughs> That's and when I, when I, I mean, I have tunnel vision. It's actually tunnel vision. Like, I get, I, I start, it's electric. Like, I can't stop. And I just, it's all I think about. And it's like, how can I, mm -hmm. how can I create the space? How can I achieve this? And thankfully, my husband, who's my partner in all my places, he's a maker. Like, he's somebody who, it's like, I, yeah, I have, I have all of this sort of in the clouds aesthetic stuff. But he's actually somebody who's like, this is how we're going to build this. Uh, you know, and he, he, he can, he, he does maintenance. He has great aesthetic sense. He is a very, he's somebody who's really steeped in like practicality and he's very resourceful and like, it's the perfect balance for me mm -hmm. to be able to create something. Right. So I definitely couldn't have done what I do without that. And also like, you know, my father who has a full-time job is, is not, in the day-to-day -day of the businesses he's really good at math and he's a numbers person and i am not mm -hmm. so it's like having another person you know whether it's a family member or a mentor somebody who can counter you know yeah. your weaknesses right that's really important when you're doing something that involves a lot of other people like the weight of employing other people is immense 
Yeah. More important than the general public. Way more important. Right. Like, no offense to our <laughs> customers and everything, but... Yeah, you have lives that you have to... I mean, the people you work with, it's like, yeah, I mean... And I think also because I, I worked in restaurants from the age of 15 up, like, in every single role you can imagine, I think I would, like, have a really good sense of what it's like to show up to work and to, how you feel when it's slow. Yeah. How you feel when your manager doesn't give you the tools you need or you're not heard or gossiping gossip is happening in the front of house or the back of house is being rude or like I it's like I know I, I, I have a sense of all yeah. of these things so I think that makes me hyper aware of how people are, are functioning at work and and just just really like aware to people's feelings mm-hmm. and energies and, and how they're feeling at work, making sure people are good. And the managers that I work with are managers because they're good at that. Right. So it's like that's that's yeah. super important. That's number one is yeah. making sure that people are sensitive to other people. Yeah. You know what it takes to right. make it run well. It's cool. Um, I'm sorry that air conditioning came on again. Is that okay. <laughs> I don't think it's. I don't think it's getting <laughs> picked up. Okay. Right. Yeah. On. I'm having a battle with the yeah. the ghosts and the air conditioning. Yeah. <laughs> no worries. Um, it's all good. Yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah. So I. I kind of want to hear, so you said you were in, in, you spent some time in Paris and then, you know, came back here and what, like, what exactly about the, in the, in this industry is like, draws you, like, where does it, how does it light you up? And you were like, you found out like, is there a specific moment where you're like, that is what I, that's what I want to chant? Cause you're like, obviously you have a ton of creative energy mm-hmm. and like that could have gone in any direction. So definitely like, could have gone. Many, how, yeah. like, how did you be like, Oh, this is where I want to channel it. Did it start like when you were 15, when you were starting out? Or was there a time when you were like, oh, this is how I'm going to align all those pieces to make it work? It's really hard to say, but um, I don't think it was one moment, but I mm-hmm. think it was a building of many moments. And I think that I've realized over the years what I really love to do is like I love to host people, mm-hmm. right? Like, so if you come to my home, like, I really like to think about the ambiance of the room, the utensils you're going to be using, the, the things you're going to be consuming, how it's going to be when, you know, oh, you need to go outside and smoke a cigarette. What sort of thing are you going to put your cigarette out of? Like, I just, I like try to think about yeah. all these little <clears throat> details and make people feel comfortable and, and like, you know, they're seeing something beautiful and, and feeling something beautiful. And like, I think, and even in high school before, before Paris, before all this stuff, like, I threw parties at my yeah. house. Like, I threw themed parties. Like, I oh, remember nice. my sister's Sweet 16 I threw as a luau. And so I had, like, Hawaiian music playing, and, like, I did punch, and all. I just think I like I like creating this, like, this um, ambiance and, and feeling of, like, uh, hospitality, yeah. right? So I think it made sense that I was working in restaurants because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm then learning the rules and I'm learning how to um, how to host people that you don't know. Um, I, I'm learning how f- like f- food works, how how the, the bar works and, and the relationships between the different facets of a restaurant. I learned a lot of what not to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah, I think that I think that the feeling of, of wanting to host people sort of pushed me into feeling like, oh, well, I can host people in my own business mm-hmm. and then I could, I could be able to survive and, um, you know, one day buy a house and travel when I want to travel. And, you know, I never thought that I would own three businesses. I never thought it would be like that. But once I had WC Harlan and it was like, I can do this. I'm really mm-hmm. good at this. Then it, it, it inspired yeah. me. It gave me the, it gave me the um, confidence right. that I could continue to do it because I felt that I did it well. And I yeah. felt that the people I worked with were, were happy. And I felt that the public was happy. And I felt that um, we were able to make small strides to you know, survive in mm-hmm. Baltimore City and, and stay here and, and afford to pay our bills and all these things. And like it, it sort of just... Uh, you know, I had a lot, I had like a mini model of what could happen. And that model is continually evolving. Right. Which was kind of the best part. It's like, yeah. one year I'm like, this is it. Like, I'm doing this well. And then the next year I rip it apart. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh, like. Yeah. Change, change constantly change. Change. Yeah. So, but, 
What was the question? I'm sorry. I, <laughs> I think you're, you answered, you're bringing no, me back. You're no, totally you answered it. Okay, so yeah, sorry. it was just like so. Your your why, like we talked about, was is hosting, hospitality, yeah. creating experiences. Yeah. And the restaurant industry was just a natural, you know, pathway, yeah. Yeah. a vehicle for that. Because I mean, yeah. obviously, it's all about hospitality. It, absolutely, yeah. and the creativity. It's like I can inject my creativity in so many mm-hmm. realms. Like this morning. I walked to the Potter's Guild of Baltimore, which is over, um, it's kind of near Hamden, yeah. where y'all live. It's, mm-hmm. um, do you know uh, Clipper Mill, that mm-hmm. building? Yeah. So there's a Potter's Guild there, and they had their second sale, um, which everything is half off. So all oh, the potters wow. like bring a bunch of stuff they have left over from Check the past season. Out. It's actually <laughs> happening tomorrow as well. You should go. Oh, nice. I'm about to do that. <laughs> you should definitely go. Yeah. But I'm in there, and I'm looking, and I'm like, Oh, there's all these little plates. I have to buy all of them for the tofu miso zuki at five. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, this has to be the thing for Clavel. And so I'm making a Clavel box, That's a so Fontaine cool. box, and I'm just thinking about all the ways that we can present food and present right. beverage to people in a way that makes someone yeah. feel like this feels good in my hand, or this is a thing of beauty. And then you drink it and you feel a thing of beauty. Yeah. And like, so it's like, I, I, I think that these are the highlights of my job. You know, it's not all like creative and fun and collaboration. Like there's definitely a lot of behind the scenes work and a lot of stress, you Mm. know, and, and just sort of like good stress. Yeah. It's, it, it's, I try to, that's a whole nother conversation (laughs) on on balance and and stuff like that. But, but you know, when you own a business, it's, Mm -hmm. it's 24 hours, right? right? So you don't, you don't clock out. Like, your alarm could go off at 4 a.m. and it's you who has to get out of bed and show up to meet the cops even if it's like oh something fell off the wall and it it, a sensor like Mm -hmm. went off it and if it's nothing serious or maybe sometimes it is something serious and um there's a lot of weight there for sure but yeah it's it's cool though because it's you're taking care of people in a way that they they're not thinking like no one's like actively thinking like Oh, this cup has to be like, but they just get it and they're like, oh, this works. Totally. And but if you're in the industry, you yeah. are actively thinking. <laughs> yeah. And there's a lot more people in the industry than you think. I mean, especially in a city like Baltimore, mm-hmm. um, we have a huge uh, restaurant sort of industry where people yeah. are our servers and bartenders and chefs they and office it. managers and PR and yeah. they go into a place and they they look at those things. Yeah. So um, I definitely do. I look at crap. Like when I was in Japan. I couldn't believe the craftsmanship. It, it's just, <laughs> oh, yeah. it's, they, it, they're to all know how much level. goes into that, yeah. I'm like, oh, just like looking at a seam and a wall, and I'm like, how did they, <laughs> the, you know? Their just, woodworking is insane. The woodworking yeah. is, it's beyond anything I've ever yeah. seen. And I've traveled to Copenhagen several times, mm-hmm. and like Japan, it's just like, the woodworking is outstanding. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's breathtaking to see craft on that level mm-hmm. with that that level of attention to detail like it's incredibly inspiring yeah um and it's sort of the antithesis of of american culture oh sure <laughs> so yeah. i mean it truly is um but it feels yeah. really special to have those details when you go to a place and um not just to enjoy the aesthetics but you just feel like you're being taken care yeah. of like somebody yeah. chose this um for a specific reason because they wanted me to have this experience which is just magical yeah can I tell you a, a little story of yeah. uh, extreme attention to detail so Matthew and I on Valentine's Day went to this restaurant called Oregon it is a really it's sort of a Japanese bistro mm. with a natural wine menu a very small team and they do um, a set menu with parent with wine pairings so we go in and every plate so it was probably like seven or eight courses every plate I got was black and every plate Matthew got was white and I didn't notice until like the sixth course. You know, you just you're yeah. just eating, you're yeah, loving you're it, taking it. pictures, you're getting <laughs> drunk, you're like loving. And then at the, like we start realizing like, you are always getting the white plate. I'm always getting the black <laughs> plate. And it was just this thing. And they never explained it. We never asked. We left really happy. We then we went to a bar. We're sitting at the bar, and the first thing the bartender says is, white and black. I didn't know, but I was wearing an all white outfit, and Matthew was wearing an all black <laughs> outfit. So they were doing this like yin yang situation with our plates. It was just that's so just, funny. Th- that th- yeah. like, are you kidding me? That's beyond like creating like giving uh, yeah. a beautiful thing for someone to enjoy. Like that's it's, it's active. It's it's yeah. philosophical. It's you know I just and they didn't even tell you they didn't say anything. We didn't yeah. all all I I walked away just saying you know thinking oh I I got all this color plate he got all yeah. this color plate and then we go to a bar 
totally unrelated and they're like your outfit like white and black you know yeah. and we're looking and we're like oh you know it's just like this yeah. wow moment but that's that's japan that's how yeah. japan is that's cool it's funny because i always say the difference between makes a good restaurant and a great restaurant is ambiance because you can go to a restaurant have a great meal but the lights are super bright it's the light. and it's I mean, like there's like to feel like they're in the dentist's office <laughs> yeah. while yeah. they're having dinner i mean yeah it's no, I, I think lighting is incredibly important. And it's really difficult. We're in a really hard transition right now because of all the LED lighting, which yeah. it's great for the environment. It's, it's wonderful. Yeah. But, but LED lighting's it's not catching up as quickly. Yeah, it's not, yeah, it's not <laughs> Right, it's taking a while for... I think it's a matter of time before we start getting much more warm, colored Natural. LED yeah, yeah. lighting and everything. But yeah, um, but yeah I think it, lighting can ruin the mood oh, like, yeah. immediately. My goal for our apartment is just like very soft lighting and candles. It's There's nothing like a candle. Yeah. A, a, any kind of a bulb or light will never make, a, yeah. like it won't touch a candle literally, like will not. Candlelight is the best light and that's why I love putting candles everywhere yeah. for sure. You can kind of see some burns over on the fireplace from a couple <laughs> candle accidents. They definitely do happen. I gotta get the paint. Maybe I should just leave it. Very wobby. Oh, it's cool. Right? Yeah. Just like let it be there. Yeah. But um, but no, candlelight is definitely where it's at, and Fire. that that makes you nice and comfortable, and also sleepy. You know, yeah. like it's it's good to have bedside Warmth. if you're if you're careful with it too. And yeah. Obviously, <laughs> you know all the candle rules, but it's smart. That's something you've seen in um, Denmark. All about the candles over there. All about the candles. Yeah. 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 For sure. Yeah. It sparks like a inner something inside you. It's like fire, human. We love fire. Yeah. Like it's just it's it's inside of us for sure. Yeah. So I'm curious. Um, I feel like people have a lot of different ideas about Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Um, created a lot here. What's something that people don't know about Baltimore? In your opinion, they might not know that. You can live here in the city and you can walk a lot of places in the daytime just like any other city safely and you can walk through nature to get from point A to point B. So for example, I live north of University Parkway Mm -hmm. and if I want to go to Hampton, I can just walk through a huge park. Like if I want to go to from Johns Hopkins to Remington, I can walk through Wyman Park. Mm-hmm. If I want to ride my bike around a park, I can just walk over to Druid Hill Park or ride my bike over there. Um, there's just tons of, there's parks everywhere and it's like really lovely and you don't think of Baltimore as a, as a place with parks, but we actually have quite a few parks that are central to this area. Mm-hmm. And this is where my businesses are. I also live up here, but for me, walking is incredibly important. I don't do it a lot at night, and I wouldn't do it a lot at night in any city mm-hmm. by myself, unless it were like a district where there's lots of people, right? But but I walk a lot in the daytime, um, and I love that I can always like find some sort of a park or a green space to walk through. Now, I don't know how it is south of this area, like over the Inner Harbor and Federal Hill, and you know, I've never lived in those neighborhoods. I've always lived in sort of the center of Baltimore, yeah. um, north of the harbor. But um, it's actually beautiful. Even when I lived in Mount Vernon, it looks European there. Yeah, because does. everything's like 1800s and just beautiful, ornate ceilings and fireplaces and all the little apartments and everything. Baltimore has a lot of beautiful architecture. Even in the old Goucher neighborhood where we are right now, there are actually like 1800s mm-hmm. houses and federal architecture. And I mean, it's, it's breathtaking that like the row homes are like basically double wide row homes and a lot of them yeah. are incredibly ornate and preserved yeah. um, wide sidewalks I mean lots of beautiful carriage houses we have some really gorgeous architecture here that didn't get turned into commercial and stuff like that yeah. so like if you see brownstones in New York and you're like oh brownstones like we have those here mm-hmm. yeah. um, actually like yeah. in this neighborhood we're in right now all along Charles Street Maryland Avenue from like basically North Avenue up yeah that's a great reminder to just like take some time and walk around. Walk around just in the daytime, like it's a it's beautiful. Like you should not be afraid to walk around in the light of day. <laughs> uh, you know, it's like the, these neighborhoods are all sort of connected. Mm-hmm. Um, Hampton, Remington, Old Goucher, Northern Arts District. 
um, Mount Vernon, you know, you could even go up to like the Roland Park area, there's shops and things over there, and tons of green space. But um, I think walking is super important to, to wanting to like live in a place and not having to be in your car all the time. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. You know, like you live in LA, like you can't walk anywhere. I tried. I, I went. <laughs> I visited for the first time uh, recently, and I remember telling my friends, like, "Okay, oh, it's only a mile. Let's just walk there." And they're like, "Are you crazy?" I'm like, "No, let's do it." It was miserable because we were like on these highways and we're walking yeah. on exit ramps, and I'm like, "Okay, you guys are right. You don't walk in LA. Like, there's no walk in LA." Okay, so that's surprising. But there's a lot of space. Yeah. Yeah, tons of space, <laughs> but it's just like. Yeah, it's not, I don't know. In Baltimore, I'm like two miles. It's nothing. Yeah, you know, no big deal. Like I'm just gonna yeah. go in a straight line. Yeah, walking is great. Yeah. Plus, you can you know just be present and see. Absolutely. Just look around. Sometimes I walk right through the Hopkins campus, and I'll like sneak into one of the buildings and walk through a hallway while I'm listening <laughs> to like The Verve or something. And it's yeah. like super nostalgic because it cool. reminds me of high school. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's yeah, really weird. Yeah. It's fun. And also just. You know, it feels like school, you know, so it's like, yeah. especially when it's around September, it feels like school yeah. and I just walk through and I like get emotional because I'm like, oh, I mean, I dropped out of college, but you know, I did go. <laughs> so I still have those feelings. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, when, um, I'm sure, I'm sure my dad mentioned that I lived in Paris for yes. about a year and I think that's when I first really started appreciating like just wandering around the city without having a point A to point B. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, you went to, you weren't in Paris, but were you? I was in Aix-en-Provence. Okay. And what right happened outside. is I was there for a semester and I met someone and we ended up, he, his best friend lived in Paris. His parents had an apartment there. So we just sort of like ended up there, right there. Nice. because I didn't really go to school. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but we ended up there. And so I stayed for a while, like, you know. It sounds like you had the real like French education though. Definitely. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Like every day I would skip school and I would sit at the same cafe and I, I don't know how, like it's so, your body's much different when you're like 18, 19, 20, oh, yeah. but I would just drink cafe, like basically coffee all day. I probably would have four coffees in like one afternoon mm-hmm. and just chain smoke. And, and it's just, <laughs> I just could never do, like I smoke one cigarette now and my throat is just like, I am like, oh, something's wrong with me. I'm dying. But but then it was just like that's all I did. Yeah. That's all I did, and you know it's and it's okay. It's not like in the U.S. where you sit for too long somewhere and they're like, okay, like here's your bill. It's time to go. Right. Here's like, your bill. <laughs> it's totally acceptable to just camp out all day long and just people watch and yeah. friends would show up and friends would leave. You know, day would turn into night. The coffee would be traded for wine. You know, it was just sort of like that. It's and I hangout. read a lot. I you know I just read a ton yeah. when I was there because I was like joyfully not going to school but still living in a place that you know it was just like it wasn't an unrealistic situation mm-hmm. because it was already paid for through financial aid like the housing was paid for so I didn't have bills you know it was just unrealistic yeah. but that's kind of how my experience was I mean I, I, I did work as an au pair but when people asked me what my favorite part of living there was it actually was the same thing going to cafes with friends yeah and i think they it was always funny to notice their reaction because i feel like they would always kind of go oh like they expected something really grand (laughs) and big seeing the loop or something (laughs) like the experience is just so wonderful um but it it was really interesting to notice people's reactions to my favorite part it's always the little things right (laughs) definitely i mean and you live in a place like it's that it's the thing you do the, the same thing sort of we're like creatures of habit right mm-hmm. we're always doing like the, uh, some some routine of the same thing so yeah, yeah I mean sometimes a good view is what you come back with mm-hmm. it's really important so. yeah so you you seem like you're a big reader well I was yes. I mean honestly you guys it's so hard these days <laughs> yeah. and it's why I can't write anymore because I just if I'm not reading I'm not writing. And I've been like, I've had this sort of, I'm not being hard on myself about it. I think when I first, so I guess when we opened, I was still feeling really creative with writing and reading when we opened Clavel, but I think Clavel kind of broke me in so many ways because it was so hard. It was Mm -hmm. so much work. Um, Like a year in or so, I just, I just didn't have time to read anymore. And then I stopped writing, but I didn't feel, 
it, it was it was kind of hard, but now I like I accept that I've been so busy and without calm around you, like you're not gonna go pick up a book. You you might take a nap and yeah. get that in, or you might like catch up on email or something, or go see a friend so you don't neglect your friendships. Yeah. But um, it's difficult. Yeah, reading is very difficult right now. I'm having I'm having some trouble, <laughs> like committing to a book because I just get I'm very I have a lot of work right now. Yeah, yeah. I get that. Yeah. I feel like I feel like it's really normal to go through phases of reading a lot and consuming a ton of information, and then phases where there's a little constant change. I just yeah. haven't had the reading a lot in years, yeah. honestly, and I know that's why I I cannot pick up a pen. Yeah. But um, Were one you day, writing poetry or short stories. I was writing poetry, a lot okay. of poetry. Nice. I was reading it. Um, I was doing all kinds of stuff with poetry. I thought that was just what I was going to do. But, you know, it's like poet meets musician. Uh, Okay, that means I'm going to end up working in a restaurant for my entire life, waiting tables, and my body's going to start to hurt, and, like, all these things. And it's so physical, serving or bartending. Mm -hmm. It's so physical after a while. And, like, if you do it too much, like, it really, it's, I don't think anyone should bartend or serve more than three, four days a week. Mm. It's just very taxing. But I just, I didn't know what I was going to do. No degree, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Poets don't make money. I'm Maybe not yeah. It's your <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, sure. Yeah. It's so so rare. Yeah. Probably better luck, you know, just I don't know, being an actress in LA and you probably have better luck doing that. You know what I mean? That's yeah. not saying like yeah. very much. Well, but, are there any books that you have read in the past that kind of stick stuck with you and you know, I don't know if you're nonfiction or fiction fan, but Anything that kind of sticks out is like, this is a book that I would... Like, what would you recommend to someone that's like, I need a book to kind of spur me on? So Ocean Vuong Hmm. is a um, Vietnamese writer who is contemporary. I think they live in New York. Do they live in New York? Um, And I follow them on Instagram, actually. They're pretty... I feel like they're pretty young maybe in their 20s or 30s or something but they're writing unbelievable poetry and just put out a a a short book that almost feels like a long poem but also kind of a memoir Mm. um on sort of like growing up with their mother and grandmother um i'm trying to remember night sky let me see i'm trying to remember the name of it ocean vuong i know when i see it yeah, I wonder if I'm saying Vuong wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so the um, the book is called On Earth We're Briefly Gorgeous. Oh, I think, I think I've heard Have you of, heard of it? I've heard that name before. It's, what a title. It's yeah. stunning and it's stunning. Yeah. That's all I can really say. But um, it's it's not very long. It's absolutely stunning. Wow. Um, that's it. Night Sky with Exit Wounds. That's the poetry book that I picked up. And I believe that I got that because Fells Point had opened a bookshop. I hadn't been in a bookshop in a oh, really long uh, time. Greedy like Reads? Right or, or, yeah, or, or something reads. Yeah, it's something like that. Kind of near um, like Peter's Inn yeah, area. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, the book was right there and I picked it up. And just called like, to you. Oh my God. Yeah. But yeah, On Earth We're Briefly Gorgeous. It just came out, I think, in the last year. Huh. Pick check it, it up. Check it yeah. out. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's done I, I love hearing people's books and just because... Well, we uh, actually interviewed Rachel's brother um, recently, and he told us about... I ever heard of Eckhart Tolle? No. Okay. Well, check out Eckhart. He's got... Eckhart Tolle? Yeah. It's uh, The Power of Now was the book he suggested. And I just, I just love hearing what people... Things oh, that, I've heard of The Power of Now. Yeah. Yeah. Classic. It's, it's, it's so funny. Re- my dad told me to read that. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> it's, well. it's a good one. Um, but it's just like so interesting to hear about like what sparks other people and just kind of experiencing it. It's, it's a cool feeling. Right on. Yeah. Matt has a book club. Yeah, oh, good. I have a book club. I started yeah. a book. It's the Breakfast Book Club. Very cool. And do you like meet to discuss? And yeah, it's uh, over brunch oh, nice. once a month. Yeah, so. And people actually get it done. They read them. There's no. Like... <laughs> it's a, it's kind of it's kind of tough sometimes. We're it, in the momentum stage. Yeah, we're trying to get people on on board, but it's like, so last year I started 
the book club and it was just like our families and I was very I had high ambitions with it and I started the first book actually with Shogun by Mark Mark Clavel it's a epic Japanese novel that's oh. like 1200 pages and that, that was, was stressed out <laughs> that, well, was, that was the Jan- that was the January book and I oh was like I think I kind of um, scared people with that it's a great book though if you're really into like Japanese it was a uh, like kind of in the 1800s the story about this uh, English sailor that ends up crashing in Japan and it's kind of this whole story but about feudal Japan but if you're interested and have I know you got your probably called Shogun Shogun yeah. S so H twelve hundred pages if you imagine yeah. you and I'm having time. trouble picking <laughs> up a haiku book. I'm just saying it might help you sometimes you gotta go you gotta like so just, just go bulldoze you gotta bulldoze Shogun, huh? yeah okay. but um yeah so I started that and kind of it kind of went downhill from there but it, I was like this year I'm gonna pick just you know pop fiction books just get people to read something kind of fun and then talk about it so it's been fun so far yeah. I picked a few fun books the last book was called 10,000 Doors of January it was just like a little fun fantasy kind of fiction sci-fi nice. fiction but yeah my goal this year was to read a book a week so that's fantastic it's yeah all my spare time is just reading <laughs> that's wonderful yeah it's tough wow. but I'm gonna check out I'm gonna check out Ocean Vuong because check Check it out. Yeah, yeah I'd stop the bookstore. <laughs> I have so many books. You'll eat that list. up in like one day. <laughs> yeah, I'll just, yeah, I'll just, I won't buy it. I'll just go. I mean, it's it's beautiful. It's yeah. masterful. It's cool. Awesome. Yeah. So I think we have um, time for maybe a couple more questions. Yeah. Um, we've talked a lot about traveling. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have anywhere on your list that you really want to go to, mm-hmm. or are you more interested in returning to places you've already been? I already want to go back to Japan. It's something I'm, I'm like, how can I get back there this fall? Um, I, I, I think I wasn't ready to leave or something. And so mm-hmm. I, you know, I just got back not even a week ago, but it just makes such a, it's so inspiring for me to be in that country. Mm-hmm. Um, but on my list, I mean, I really want to go to Tunisia. I'd love to travel mm-hmm. there. Um, high up on my list, the country of Georgia. Uh, I just really want to hear polyphonic singing and eat like a bunch of food and drink Georgian <laughs> wine with Georgian people and just sort of like I would love to be in a family's home and sort of just like see what it's like to yeah. make a feast for everyone. They sort of it's a tradition to kind of do that often. Oh, cool. I would love to see that style of, of hospitality. Um, I mean the thing that haunts me is the Philippines. Um, and my mother's always asking me to go, and I know I should go, but I'm sort of, I think I've been putting it off because I haven't been ready. I was born there, mm-hmm. and um, I have a lot of family there that yeah. I haven't met, you know, since I, I wasn't a baby. So I think it's important to go at some point. Yeah. I just, I just know that trip is, a lot of my trips tend to be like adventure, work-related. I know that's going to be something different, mm-hmm. so I think I'm, I don't know why I'm holding off on it, but I think that, like, ever since I went to Japan for the first time a couple years ago, my mother sort of was like, oh, so you can go to Japan, yeah. <laughs> but you can't go to the Philippines, so I know I, I, will, I will do that soon. Cool. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. The Philippines are beautiful. Yeah, nice. so many islands, yeah. you know? And I have, I have serious ties to the Philippines, so. It's cool. Um, so... Another thing we like to think about, so I don't know if you've heard of the phrase of like expanders. It's like people that you kind of, not necessarily look to for motivation, but you kind of see what they're capable of doing. And you're like, oh, if someone's capable of doing that, it kind of gives you like a spark that, you know, you can kind of realize the potential within yourself. Um, They expand your perspective. Yeah, they expand your perspective and they kind of show you what, you know, like we talked about, you, you're able to just think of something and you're like, if I you know I'm going to do it, you get the tunnel vision. It kind of create this idea that your thoughts can create your reality, right? So is there anyone that in your process, you know, starting out or even now that you kind of look at to like, oh, this person is doing this and that's kind of like, it helps me align my values. Yeah. Um, so someone that comes to mind is um, Megan Carpenter. 
she is one of the uh, the co-owner of Hex Ferments. Oh, cool. Um, her and her husband Shane own it together, and um, we've been friends because so Shane used to live in the same building as my husband a long time ago. So they met that way, and then I met them when I started dating Matthew mm-hmm. and. Um, I remember going to their house for the first time. They have a lovely house, like a mid-century modern home in uh, Mount Washington. And I just remember going there and like, they had everything together. Like they, they owned a house, they had a garden, they were cooking us dinner, they were fermenting the kombucha <laughs> experiments. Ever This is before they opened Hex Ferments. Yeah. This is when she worked at Micah and he was a phot- professional photographer. But they just like, they had everything. Mm-hmm. They were like steady living in Baltimore, and I never felt stable like that. Right. So I think just like seeing them have that stability, it like it somehow like pushed me to be like, all right, I have to, I have to like make a living, yeah. and I, I want to stay in Baltimore. And one day, like I would love to own a home and like mm-hmm. have roots like they have roots. So cool. I think that that I think she, and and even with health and things like the things that. She sort of taught me to eat and to think about my body differently and fermented foods and farmer's markets and things yeah. like that. Like, I feel like I got a lot of influence from Megan. Cool. Um, so. Yeah. Keeping that, that Baltimore connection, too. Yeah. And yeah. That, I think people like that, even if it's something, sometimes it's just a person that makes something click in your mind. Right. It might not be business related. Like, it really wasn't business related, this sort of expander. Yeah. You know, um, but she mo she more like she more she just made it something click in my head that was like you can live here and plant roots here and be healthy. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's yeah, awesome. yeah. So yeah. Well, have so many different types of expanders. That's what we call. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've heard the term micro expanders, so they can expand your perspective in like one aspect um, and maybe have somebody else for another aspect. Well, thank you again for thank you. Yeah. to chat with us and share everything behind the scenes. It's just been really, really nice having this time. This is lovely, and this is a great podcast. Like, oh. really, this <laughs> is fantastic. You. Thanks so much. It's yeah, been it's fun. Really, really nice talking to people. Oh, yeah, thank so. you. All right. Well, until next time, have a wonderful rest of your day. Bye. Bye.